God's Word just being the sole authority of Scripture in my life is, is that it's real. Mature believers understand that Scripture is a historical document. Just like you would, you would believe that Ben Franklin wrote his autobiography or whatever. I think the instruction in it completely just overwhelms you after a while. This is the Word of God, and it's from God. That same evidence is what makes me believe the Scripture. What more truth do you need when you see when you see it and you feel it and you hear it? And it comes to life. If I've been given this Bible that he says is his word and he says that in his word, in the scriptures, and I'm going to immediately trust that it is. And when you follow the scripture and the principles in there, God's communicated to us the, the principles that we should live by to have the most fulfilling life. Hey, Cornerstone. Uh, just want to give a shout out to everybody that's at Santan watching the service. Thank yeah. Let's... I, I hope you at Santan know how deeply uh, we root for you, how much we're hoping for you guys, and just so proud that you're making a difference for God in that community. And then I just want to do a shout out to everybody that's over, sitting in overflow. Sorry you came late. 11.55 has seats, you know, just saying. And uh, somewhere we're going to have to expand this, make a little bit more room until we get there. Guys, thank you for being champs and sitting in overflow. Okay, so here, here's the question. What dream is it that you have that when you wake up in the morning, you go, oh, thank goodness, that was just a dream and wasn't real? What, what's that dream? Someone tell me a dream you have. You go, oh, thank you so much. That wasn't real. Anyone got a dream like that? Falling. Falling. Do you ever hit the ground when you fall? I bounced a couple. You bounced a couple times. All right. So there you go. What, anyone else? Another dream you have? You go, thank. Huh? You were tired. Oh, you were retired. And then you woke up and you go, oh man, thank the Lord I'm not retired. And that's why you're like 98, still good. No, I'm teasing. All right. So here, all right. So let me just tell you in pastor world. Okay. There, there are dreams that you go, oh man, please don't let that be real. One of them is that I show up to church on Sunday, not realizing that I was scheduled to speak. And all of a sudden I haven't studied anything. And then you start uh, studying and you can't find the passage and you go, I've got one really good point. I just can't figure out anything else. And, and it's just, it, it just, you wake up in panic. You go, oh, thank you, Jesus. That was not real. But the second dream, the second dream that I uh, have as a pastor happened last Sunday morning. Uh, we're getting ready to go to uh, service, first service. And about 40 seconds before I'm about to come out on stage, I think to myself, hey, I probably ought to run, hit the bathroom real quick before I go out on stage. I, uh, I get to the bathroom, I begin to unzip, and suddenly realize my zipper won't go down. The reason my zipper won't go down is because the whole rest of my zipper is blown open. I've got 40 seconds before I go on stage. If you go back and watch video of the first service... Just saying, just say, thankfully they went and they got me a pair of pants by second service. Uh, I kept waiting to wake up. It didn't happen on the deal. And we are, uh, we're in a series uh, together. Uh, it's called Deep and Wide. And what we've been saying together is simply this. Um, 
we are not going to be one of those churches. We're not going to be one of those churches that wins a ton of people to Jesus, but never grows them up. We're not going to be a mile wide and an inch deep in maturity. We just refuse to be that church. But we've also said we refuse to be the other type of church. We are not going to be some holy huddle, some little closed-in group of people who maybe, maybe know their Bibles really, really well, but aren't making any difference in their community. The, the people all around them are unaffected by Jesus because there is no reaching out. There's no touching other lives. And we've simply said, look, we're going to make it really, really hard to go to hell from Chandler, Arizona. And Part of our commitment is just, guys, we're going to be deep spiritually, but we're going to be wide in impact and influence. And we're going to do both of those things uh, to the glory of God. And so if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know, in the first week we talked about this idea of saying, hey, in your biblical growth, in your maturity, where should you be by now? By the time you've been a Christian for six years, where should you be in growing up in Jesus? By the time you've been a Christian, as long as you've been a Christian... Where should you be by now in maturity? And are you anywhere near that? And then last week we asked a different question that simply says, do you know, do you understand what God created you, why you are even here? And the answer at the end of the day is probably not to get a bigger paycheck or to be successful at Intel. God has a heavenly purpose, an eternal purpose for your life. And do you understand the spiritual gifts that he's given you and equipped you to go do that? Are you using them in service within the church? Are you anywhere near living out the purpose for which God created you? And here's what we're discovering real quick in this series. That if you and I are going to be the people of God, and if we're going to be anything like the church that God hoped us we were going to be, we're going to have to get out of the purple chairs. We're, we're going to have to take this thing of Jesus more serious than just showing up on Sunday morning. And our commitment's going to have to run deeper, and you and I are going to have to go further to be a deep and wide church. Today we're going to talk about the topic of biblical authority, which simply means this. You and I as Christians taking our lives and placing our lives, our behaviors, our actions, our attitudes under the authority of Scripture and saying, look, I'm just going to, I'm going to let everything I do, everything I think, the way I vote, line up with the Bible. I'm going to place myself under biblical authority. Now, look, I'm, I'm the first guy to tell you this is hard. This is hard because here's, let's just be honest. Who likes having somebody else tell them what to do? Matter of fact, this is why men don't ask for directions. There's something, no, no, there's something intuitively, especially within us males, that simply says, look, 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 look. If I ask for directions, it's a sign of weakness. If I, if I have to stop and ask somebody, I ought to be able to figure this out on my own. And I would rather, okay, in, in male economy, I would rather be 20 minutes late and have solved the problem myself. That brings me more self-esteem than to get there on time but had to have asked for help. I'm just telling you, there is something within us that says, look, 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 I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Especially not, you ready? Especially not some dusty old men who lived 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago riding camels. Telling me how in 2014 to live by, I mean, no. I, I might be willing to listen to a couple suggestions and I might be willing to consider some input, but at the end of the day, 
I would rather figure this thing out on my own. Now, here's the problem. What you and I are trying to figure out, this thing called life, is too complicated to figure out on our own. And chances are you will not get to the right conclusion on your first try. And by the time you figure it out, and here's the look, look, you may figure it out. You may ultimately come to the right decision, come to the right insight. But the problem is this, by the time you do, there may be too much water under the bridge to remedy the mistakes you made along the way while you were trying to figure it out. See, here's the deal. By the time you figure out that your anger doesn't work, you may have already wounded, you may have already brought so much destruction to so many of your relationships. It may not matter that you figured it out. See, by, by the time by the time you figure out how to raise your kids and how to be a parent and how you ought to respond in that moment, your kid may be 15. And they may already be living in such rebellion towards you and such frustration towards you that you've lost your opportunity to be the type of parent that God wanted you to be. And here's what you need to know. This thing is too complicated and time is too short that even if you could get to the right answer eventually, to do this on your own. And here's the crazy part. Even though I know that, even though I understand that, there's a part of me, just like there's a part of you, that's still tempted to say, I'm going to try it anyways. I'm, I, I, I don't want someone else telling me how to live my life and what I should choose for entertainment. I, I just, and I'm, I'm just going to try it solo because I, I want to figure it out on my own. And then, and then, you ready? And then I bump into Jesus. Who, in his lifetime, even though he knew everything, he already knew every question along with every answer. And he had the power, think about this, he had the power that even if he made a mistake, he could have fixed his own mistake. I mean, he could have gone, oops, be healed. Dude, I I was aiming over there. He could have done that. He had the power. Not only did he have the knowledge, he had the power to fix every mistake. And here's the, you want to hear something amazing? And yet, despite that, Jesus lived under authority. He lived under the authority of his heavenly father. But you ready for this? He lived under the authority of scripture. You read the story of Jesus. You read the gospels. You will find him over and over and over and over again saying, The word of God says, and that's my authority. And I'm just going to say to you, Jesus apparently knew something about living a life under the authority of scripture that you and I need to figure out. So we're just going to spend the rest of the day going, why? Why is this so critical in our lives that we would come to a point, you right? That we would come to a point, and here's what, here's what I'm hoping you and I come to by the end of the day, that you and I would say, I want 
I want to live the remainder of my life under the authority of Scripture. I'm done arguing. I'm done fighting. I'm done pushing my own position. I'm simply coming to the place that says, if that's what the Word of God says to do in marriage, that's what I'm going to do in marriage. If that's what the Word of God says to do in business, that's what I'm going to do in business. And and I am going to live my life even, you ready for this? Even, and maybe even especially in the passages I don't like. Can I just tell you, I'm a pastor. There are passages I don't like. But I'm going to choose to live that moment, that decision, under biblical authority and not in my own wisdom. Okay? And we're just going to travel this together. What did Jesus know that you and I don't know about biblical authority? So grab your Bibles this morning. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5. If you're not real familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible, work to the left, you're going to find this book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. This is one of the, this is what Jesus knew that you and I don't get about living our lives under biblical authority. Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. Matter of fact, if you've got a red letter Bible, this is Jesus talking about the Bible. Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. Here's what it says. Jesus said, I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter or the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Now get this moment. Jesus says, Jesus says it is more likely that the earth would cease to exist that heaven would come to a stop. It is more likely that those things would happen than the least stroke of the pen from Scripture would be found to be false. And, and when it does that, that stroke, it, it actually in the original language says a jot or a tittle, which the, the closest I can get you to that is, Jesus says, look, it is more likely that the earth would pass away, that heaven would cease than it is that the crossing of a T or the dotting of an I would be invalid in Scripture. Which means, you ready for this? It just simply means this. That because the Bible was written by an omniscient author, in other words, God knows everything, then the Bible is always right. Think about this for a second. As God writes scripture, he has the capacity, because he's omniscient, to look, you ready? To look in the past, to see literally every single person who's ever done what you're thinking about doing. Every single person who's ever behaved the way you're thinking about behaving. Every person who's ever adopted the attitude that you're considering adopting. And he's seen how that turns out. At the same moment, he's looking in the future and he can see every single variable. He can see if you make that decision and even if after you make that decision, you tweak it a little this way or if you turn it a little, he can see every single possible scenario that that can turn out. And with that knowledge... Every, everyone who's ever done it before and how that ended up, every variable you've got in the future... And he said, here's how you live this moment. 
Not because I'm guessing, not because I'm taking a shot in it, because I know everything. Which means, which means, you ready for this? That when you get ready to divorce, and you come to a moment and you go, look, 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 I, I, I know, I know. I know the Bible says that I shouldn't divorce except for marital unfaithfulness. But look, God didn't consider my wife. And the answer is, yes, he did. And you go, no, 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 no. I, look, look, if you knew how hard I tried it and, 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 and how much effort and, and how good looking the secretary, I mean, if you knew. And I know what scripture says. I know that it tells me that I shouldn't be doing this. But that every time you and I leverage our but against scripture, B-U-T, all right. Every time you and I come to scripture and say, but guess who's wrong? See, this is the little girl who goes, look, look, I know, I know, I know. I know I shouldn't date him. I, I know, biblically it says, I shouldn't be uniquely yoked. And this guy doesn't know my Jesus. Or maybe he knows my Jesus. But he's such a baby. I mean, he's so far behind me. And, and, and I know, I know, I know. But you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to help him catch up. And I know scripture says I shouldn't. But I've got a friend. And it turned out okay for her. Every time you leverage your butt, guess who's wrong? You're wrong. Because, because, because. A God who knew what happened every single time when someone did that before you. A God who looked forward and saw every contingency, every single option is the one that gave you and I direction. And every time you and I stand against it, every time you and I say to the Bible, look, look, I know, I know, I know, but... Guess who's wrong? Isn't it true? Isn't it true that every single regret you've got, at least the majority of them, that almost every single regret you've got in life would never have happened if you had lived that same moment biblically? If you'd never slept with that person, if you'd never done that with your finances, if you had never crossed that line, if you had never held that anger in bed, isn't it true that that the vast majority of regrets you've got in your life wouldn't even be there if you had lived that moment biblically? See, it's what Jesus knew. It's what he understood about the word of God. That the Bible is always right. And anytime you and I ignore it or push it aside, you and I are always wrong. It's always a mistake. And, and can I just even tie on into that? Here's the second principle, the second thing that you and I have got to know about Scripture. And it's simply this. That Scripture will ultimately steer you and me to where we want to be in life. It it will ultimately guide us to a place where you go, man, I am so thankful I lived my life that way. I'm so glad I made those decisions when I made those decisions. That the Bible will ultimately steer us to where we want to be. You ready? And away from the ditches of life. Away from the mistakes of life. 
How many of you have figured out by now that when you steer your life, it ends up ugly? How many of you have figured that out? Okay, the rest of you, hang on because it's coming. Okay, I'm just telling you. When you and I steer our lives, it you and I don't have enough information. You and I can't see enough coming. You, you and I don't know that some of the very fundamental principles of life are absolutely the opposite of what feels logical. Love your enemy. Serve to be... And I'm just telling you that when you steer your life, you will end up in a ditch. And if you haven't discovered that, then you may not be ready for what we're talking about today. You may need to have a few ditches to where you go, man, dude, I, I just don't need to be steering my life. Because when I steer my life, it ends up ugly. But for those of us who come to that, then this is going to make huge sense. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles one more time. Because the Bible says, look, the very purpose that is here is to steer us. To where we need to be. So go a little bit to the right. It's going to be in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. It's right after 1 Timothy. Seminary taught me that. Okay. I'm telling you, I didn't waste any of that Bible degree. Now, hey, if, if you're having a hard time finding it, go to the back, work to the left. You're going to find 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Here it outlines the very purpose for which Scripture was created and the benefits of using Scripture in our lives. Okay, ready? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Here's what it says. All Scripture is God-breathed. Now, here's what you need to get. What the Bible is declaring in this moment is, is that as those guys recorded Scripture, and look, shh, I'm just telling you, next time History Channel comes on and goes, oh, the forgotten gospel. Are you kidding me? The Gnostic Gospels have so many mistakes in them, it is obvious that God did not write it. That's the reason they're not included. This this was not a hard decision. It was so obvious that God had not breathed this into the ears of the authors because it's full of man-made errors and deception and fraud. So here's what it says. Scripture is God-breathed, which simply means this. As those men were sitting there writing Scripture, God was leaning over. And it's as if they could feel his breath on their necks as he told them what to write. It is God-breathed, which simply, he's ready for this, that when you and I open our Bibles, we should be able to smell God's breath. It's like sitting down and having a one-on-one personal audience with the God of the universe. And when you get that, daily devotions will stop being a duty and will suddenly become the greatest privilege of your life because I get to sit in the presence of God and have him explain life. Are you kidding me? Would you ever miss that appointment? All scripture, eh? All scripture is God-breathed and is useful. And then it's going to tell us four things that scripture does when we come under biblical authority, when we allow scripture to touch our lives. You ready? Is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. So look, when you place your life under biblical authority, it's going to steer you where you want your life to be because it's going to do these four things in your life. It's going to teach you, rebuke you, correct you, and train you in the way that you ought to go. So let's cover that for a second. Teaching. 
Here's what that simply means. When you and I read scripture, you and I will gain insight into things that you and I would never figure out any other way. We would never understand it if scripture didn't explain it. And guys, think about this for a second. You and I have the opportunity to sit at the feet of the one who made life and have him explain life. And I'm just telling you, there are things there you will never figure out on your own. All right, I need a volunteer. Come on. All right, come on. Okay, steps right there. Big mistake. No, I'm just teasing. No, no, come on, man. Come on, it's going to be fun. All right, what's your name? Jericho. Jericho. Really? Yeah. That's like the coolest name. All right, Jericho. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. You stand there. I'm going to walk around you seven times. You fall. Oh, no, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Not teasing. All right, all right. So here's what I'm going to do, okay? Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to balance all of these nails on top of that. All right. Go for it. See, here, this, this is a... This is ex- this is exactly what life is like. So you and I come to like seemingly impossible moments and we're going, man, how do you raise a kid in a culture like this? How do you take a marriage that's struggling? Like my marriage is struggling. And how do you fix that? And I guarantee you, every one of us has to wrestle through a seemingly impossible moment multiple times in our lives. You're, you're, here, here. I'll give you a clue. If you'll, if you'll stand this one like this, hold that. And if you'll stand this one like this. No? All right. All right. All right. What if I showed you how to do it? Perfect. All right. All right. So here's what I'm going to do. Okay. So you're going to watch. Stand right there. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. All you do is you lay the first nail down. And then you lay the next nail across. And then you lay the next nail across. Okay. And... And you lay the next nail across, and you lay the next nail the other way, and the next nail the other way, and the next nail the other way. I think they're trying to tell me I'm taking too long. Next nail the other way, next nail the other way, next nail the other way. And then you take the last nail, you lay it straight now. That's how you balance. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. If I asked you to do that, could you do that? Yes. You could. Yeah. But a minute ago, you couldn't do that. Couldn't. But now, because I showed you how to do it, you can do it. Yes. Is that amazing? How long do you think it would have taken you to figure that out? A while. A while. <laughs> but you know, you're amazing. You're so maybe like. Five minutes, right? Oh, five minutes you would have gotten. But okay. but I just saved you five minutes. How cool is that, man? Awesome. All right. Thank, Thank you, you, dude. Thank you. 
Do you realize this is exactly what scripture does for us? You and I are going to come to moments in our marriage. You and I are going to come to moments in our business. You and I are going to come to moments in our integrity. And we're going to face seemingly impossible moments. And we can. I mean, you could, you could go, look, 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 look. I'm going to figure this out on my own. And maybe, maybe, maybe you would eventually figure it. But do you realize how long? It would probably take before you came to the right conclusion. Do you realize how much time, how much life you would have wasted doing it on your own? So, and here's the reality for all of us that are too stubborn to listen. Just go, look, I don't need biblical authority. You may figure this out. You, you may get somewhere in your life. You, you might. Here's what I'm just telling you. You spend your life figuring out everything on your own, taking one step forward and two step back and living with regret. Whatever distance you travel in your life will not be where you wanted to get. It will not be far enough. It will not be fast enough. But when you and I come under, right? When you and I place our lives under biblical authority and we say, look, I'm just going to, whatever God's answer is, that's the answer I'm going to implement, that's what I'm going to do. You and I suddenly start moving forward at breakneck speed in our lives. We suddenly get places, ready, we never could have gotten trying to figure this out on our own. The word of God is profitable for teaching. You ready? Second one for rebuking. And in this look, this rebuking thing, it, it's it's discipline. I mean, I'm sorry, it's conviction. It's just a moment in which the word of God says, whoa, 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 whoa. Before you do that, whoa, 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 whoa. You've done that once. Don't do that again. And I, chances are, every one of us has said in a sermon, we've t- taken a few moments in daily devotions, and suddenly a verse of scripture left, and we went, oh, crumb. I did that exactly wrong. And we felt convicted. And what you and I do next with conviction is a huge deal. Because look, here's the deal. How many of you enjoy being convicted? We don't, right? I mean, it, it kind of has this throwback. Remember when you were a kid and you were sitting and you were eating a meal and, and all of a sudden your mom said, hey, uh, your cup's kind of close to the edge. You might want to move it. And I don't, if you were anything like me, you, you're like, I saw the cup, mom. I'm not a dummy. And there was something inside of me that just wanted to do this. And let's just be honest. We do the same thing when we feel convicted by God, right? Come on, God. Look, look, look. That dating relationship's never going to ship over the edge. No, 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 no. If I do that in business, I, I, I... You realize my mom said that. Because if you weren't careful, if you didn't, if you didn't heed a moment, chances were you were going to spill the cup and then your homework was going to be ruined or... Your business presentation was going to have to be reprinted. You realize there's more at stake than that when it comes to life. And if you and I live in moments of conviction and don't heed conviction, that the damage that's, the mess, the mess that ensues, way, way greater 
way, way greater than whatever humbleness you and I would have had to have mustered to simply push the cup back to the middle of the table. And that God comes to you in moments and says, whoa, 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 before you date that guy, before you tell that lie, Look, 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 now that you've already flirted with your secretary once, look, 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 before you, before you do that again, move the cup back to the middle of the table. It's what conviction's for. Are you ready for this? That when you and I allow the word of God to create conviction in our hearts, it saves you and me from a world of pain, a lifetime of regret. It's the wonder of Scripture. But if you and I go, no, 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 no. Are you kidding me? I can do this on my own. I can figure it out on my own. I'm going to live on the edge. And you and, I, and you and I push back each time the Word of God convicts us. You know what eventually happens. And living under scriptural authority has the capacity to save you from a lifetime. Of pain. There's a third thing that Scripture does for you and me. Back to the passage. All Scripture, verse 16, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, which is uh, conviction, okay, and training, oh, I'm sorry, and then correcting, correcting, correcting is simply this, correcting is restoring the mistake. So this is assuming that you and I have already blown past uh, the conviction. We went, we did it anyways. And you get that what happens when you and I sin, when you and I disagree with scripture, it's as if we were traveling in the right direction, but now we've made a unilateral decision to disobey the, and now we're traveling in the wrong direction. And just like if you were taking the wrong trail in the mountains, the moment you just realize I am on the wrong path, you don't automatically get back to where you were. Matter of fact, you've lost time and effort. You've got to get yourself back to the place of mistake and then begin down the right trail. There's some restoration. There's some correcting that has to happen. And scripture describes to you and me, when we catch ourselves going, oh man, I've headed the wrong way. I've been making the wrong decision. I've put my life in the wrong place. How do you correct that? My son is 12 years old. His cousin, I think at the time, was about nine. And uh, him and another kid from church were hanging out uh, after church. His nine-year-old cousin uh, turns to Josh and says, Hey, Josh, what is homosexuality? My son, being 12 years old, felt that it was his responsibility to describe to his nine-year-old cousin in graphic detail uh, what homosexuality was. His nine-year-old cousin, after they were done spending the day together, went home to his father. And the first thing he did when he walked in the door was to confirm the information that his older cousin had dispensed. And he said, Dad, what is homosexuality? And of course, his dad, Joshua's uncle, said, what? And he goes, well, here's what Josh told me. Dude, I'm just telling you, that's one of those phone calls you don't want. So here's my brother-in-law, he's on the phone. See, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure 
uh, Josh's uncle did not want his son having that information until he was about 57. Okay, just <laughs> let's just pass that one over. I knew in the moment, given the level of frustration and just sense of violation that Joshua's uncle had, that if we didn't address this, then every single family gathering we were going to have from then on, Josh was going to walk in the room, he was going to be that kid. As these two grew up and they hung out together, every time they left home, I knew his uncle was going to go, all right, I wonder what he's going to tell him this time. I knew there was some correcting that needed to be done. And so I sat down with Joshua. I explained to him and said, look, look, Josh, this is information that your mom and I have decided at 12 you're capable of handling. We've given that. But you realize this is a parent's decision. This isn't a 12-year-old's decision. And you violated your uncle's trust. You, you told him something that his uncle wanted to be able to monitor, and you had no right to do this. And you've wounded your uncle's heart. You've disappointed him in giving information that was inappropriate to give to your cousin. And here's what we're going to do. Because, because, you ready? Because real men fix their mistakes. Real men clean up their messes. You and I are going to go meet with your uncle. And you're going to tell him that you now understand the violation. And that you'll never do it again. You ever had to do that as a parent? That is so horrible. You almost feel like it's you that did it. And we got to Josh's uncle's house and we said, Josh, Josh, he was shaking. His throat went dry. He kind of squeaked out the word Uncle Mitch. But in that day, my young man was a man. And he corrected what he had done. So that when his uncle saw him leaving with his cousin, he knew. He knew that Josh understood and he knew that Josh had learned a lesson and that Josh would behave in the same moment differently. See, I'm just going to tell you that there are some of us in this room and you've already gone off the path and you've already caused damage and you've already caused hurt. And you realize the word of God tells you how to go back and correct it. It's part of what living under biblical authority does. And and up until now, you've been going, oh, I don't need to do that. And You live under biblical authority. It'll help you clean up that mess. It'll help you correct that mistake, that bad decision in your life. Back to the passage. All Scripture is God-breathed and it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and then finally, ready, for training... In righteousness. And training is simply this. It's helping you and me not make the same mistake over again. That there's going to be moments that after you've gone through the whole process, you're going to be reading the word of God and you're going, oh, dude, that's what I missed. That's, that's what I didn't know when I made that decision. That's, 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 that's what I shouldn't have done when I be, oh, I get it now. And it's training that you would never run into the same ditch again. I guarantee you, you've seen people get themselves into a world of hurt financially, get themselves into a world of hurt in their marriage and work their heads off and finally dig themselves out only to turn around and do the same thing again. You ever looked at a guy and gone, whoa, 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 wait, you got fired from your last job. 
And now you've only had this job for 30 days and you're already confronting your boss? What? Did you not learn anything? Wait, 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 wait. It took you three years to dig out that financial hole and you're still not tithing? What? I guarantee you've seen a hundred times where people go back to repeat the exact same mistake. And scripture says, no, 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 no. I'll come alongside. I'll train you how not to repeat your mistakes. A couple years back, Caroline, who is Mama Sephora's daughter, came to live at Lisa in my house. And uh, while she was here, she was doing master's level uh, classes at ASU, and she was living at her house driving our cars. I'm sitting in staff meeting down that hallway one day, and out of the clear blue, the loudest boom-wham you've ever heard in your lives. Now, this is not that long after 9-11, so we're all like, ah! And we're ducking under the tables and terrorist attack. And finally, we poked our heads out, went down the hallway. There's Caroline laying in the middle of the floor, oh, screaming, you know. And my uh, my Murano is halfway into the church. Uh, she's driven it and right through the wall over there in the one of the classrooms. Uh, did I mention that previous to this, she'd actually had already had three fender benders? So we came up with a new policy. We came up with an idea for training. And it was simply this. Uh, Caroline, you're not going to drive the car unless Papa Lynn is in the car with you. And what we figured out was is that Caroline, uh, more often when she was driving, thought of herself as a passenger. She's... So I, 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 here's what we came up with. Here was the training schedule for uh, Caroline. Anytime I caught her, uh, you know, kind of blinking out, not paying attention, or anytime I saw her not making wise decisions as she drove, I just turned and hit her in the shoulder. In Christian love. Uh, hard enough, hard enough uh, that she could not ignore it, and just below the bruise threshold. You know, just boom. I didn't want to, you know, CPS coming or anything. So... Uh, I'd hit her. And so, you know, we'd be sitting there and we'd be driving down the road and just out of blue, I'd just go, bap! And I'd hit her and she'd go, what, Papa? And I'd go, hey, you're making a right-hand turn right up here. You're still sitting in the left-hand lane. You're not thinking. <laughs> we'd be driving down the road. Bap! Well, yeah, Papa! Hey, you started making a right-hand turn. Didn't turn on your signal. Hey, can I, can I tell you that after about three weeks, she was a wonderful driver. <laughs> wonderful driver. Now, she was a little bit tense. But she was a wonderful driver. See, here's the deal. That, that's what the Word of God does. The Word of God comes back and just says, look, 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 I'm going to train you not to make that mistake again. That's, that's too painful. That's too much hurt. I'm just going to keep you from doing that. It's, it's, so, so get this. Get this, guys. Think about this for a second. Think about what we just learned about being ready under biblical authority. That when you and I decide to stop wrestling with the Word of God, stop fighting God, stop resisting what God is saying, stop trying to figure it out ourselves, that all of a sudden... You and I get to places in our life that we would have never gotten if it hadn't been for the Word of God. You and I are saved a ton of pain because of our bad decisions and mistakes. You and I, you and I have the privilege of going back and correcting some things we thought were uncorrectable. We have the chance to go back and restore some relationships we thought would never be restored. And then finally, you and I learn how not to make the same dumb mistake again. I'm just... Why would you not live your entire life under biblical authority? There's a guy by the name of David in Scripture, King David. 
And if you ever get, you want to get a shoot from the hip, I'm going to live life my own way. David was the guy. I mean, he's out there running after giants, but he's also running after other people's wives. And he ends up making this horrible decision to sleep with another man's wife. Then he, then he lies about it. Then he has her husband killed so that he can marry the widow. The baby that they end up having dies. It's just, what a mess. Talk about a guy who was downright determined. I'm going to figure out life by doing it my own way, making my own mistakes. But you know what? There was some point in David's life, and I'm not even sure when he crossed that bridge, what that moment is. I do know that he crossed the bridge. You know why? Because he wrote Psalm 119. And Psalm 119, verse 105, and I won't make you turn there. Here's what David says. Your word, O God, is a lamp unto my feet. And a light to my path. Guess what David's saying then? He says, David is saying in that moment, I lived life as if I was walking around in a dark room, not knowing what I was stumbling over. And suddenly your word came and it illuminated my life for me. And I am choosing, now you ready for this? To never take a step that your word has not illuminated first. King David placed his life under biblical authority. He said, every decision I make from now on, I'll make it according to Scripture. No arguing, no fighting, no fussing under biblical authority. Probably the best decision you could make today is to stop arguing with God, to stop trying to figure life out on your own, and to simply do what David did, what Jesus knew, and to step under biblical authority. Just say, look, I... I Whatever you say, whatever you say about the economy, whatever you say about my job, whatever you say about my family, whatever you say about marriage and extramarital relationships and guys that I'm going to, whatever you say, I'll just live under biblical authority. I'll live with your answer. Some of us, some of us need to take a really big step today. Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we just simply come in the moment. And God, we're that guy. We're that gal. We're the one who's had so much pride and so much arrogance. And, and we've, we've leaned into saying, look, I, no one needs to tell me how to live my life. It's my life. I'll figure it out on my own. And we're discovering We're discovering that that causes too much pain. There's just, there's just way too many mistakes to be made and so today here's what we're doing God we're stepping out of our will and we're stepping into biblical authority we're simply going to say look whatever decision I make I'm going to confront scripture first and and whatever it says that will be my choice I'm not going to argue it I'm not going to wrestle it I'm going to leave all of my butts out of the conversation And I'm simply going to do what the word of God says do. I'm placing myself under the authority of scripture. This is what we're doing. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.